0: This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show.
1: hello everybody welcome to the better every shift podcast my name is aaron zamzow i am a fire lieutenant madison wisconsin a writer uh, for fire rescue one and for the captain down there my co-host who is the uh, editor-in-chief of fire rescue one janelle faskett janelle how are we doing today
0: i'm doing great i'm really excited for our interview today
1: well you have a uh this is your your this is like your fire chief Cause uh, yeah. this uh, used to be your fire chief um, used to be the uh, fire chief for San Diego, where you live. Um, he is also, I'm going to embarrass him here. He is also the IFC's career fire chief of the year. He is the current fire chief for orange County fire authority. Uh, it's chief Brian Fennessy. And I'm uh, for those that are not watching this, you need to, cause he's got the big trophy there behind him. Uh, he's basking in the glory uh, chief tell everyone how big of a liar I am. And thank you <laughs> it, by the way.
2: yeah, man, there's no basking in glo- I've got the, uh, the trophy was, so, it, it's just crazy, right? The trophy was so large. It was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to need to buy a, another airplane ticket to put the thing next to me to get it home. So I opted that they ship it. It's still in the box <laughs> on the other side of the desk, tucked behind some chairs. Cause it is just. I don't think it's going up. It's just too over the top, and um, yeah, too much.
1: Well, it, we talked a little back uh, behind the scenes here about the experience, uh, and you're not one for, uh, you know, the, the trophies, um, you know. And I, I've known you for, gosh, almost ten years. Uh, I originally met you in San Diego, uh, but but it's the message behind the trophy. You've done some unbelievable things there. Um, with with orange county fire authority you did some great things in san diego uh, and um i do want to ask though like what was the big moment for you like they told you the ifc fire chief of the year i mean what what really kind of went through your head when when you got that call
2: well i appreciate you saying that aaron and thank you you know you're right I, i mean it was probably one of the more uncomfortable experiences i've had um because, uh, and I'm not just being humble um, that, you know, there's so many others out there that are doing amazing things, you know, for the U S fire service, for their own fire departments. Um, you know, when I got the call, it's funny, when I got the call from the I.S.C. Uh, executive director it was at night They're back East. So I don't know, it was eight or something here. So it had to have been very late back there. And I thought he was calling about something else. Cause I'd been pretty outspoken about, an issue that maybe wasn't uh, aligned <laughs> with their position. So I thought he was calling me to tell me, Hey man, can you like be cool or chill with, you know, this <laughs> and so like an idiot when he calls, I'm saying, Hey man, listen, you know, that meeting, you know, the point was this, it was still, there." he laughed. He said, well, that's not what I'm calling about. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should have not led with that. And he, he, I, I was in disbelief. It's like, you're kidding me. It's like, what? Um, uh, I was really disbelief. And then I got to, well, who nominated me? And it was Mark Niemeyer, who's the fire chief out of Boise, uh, city of Boise, who's a good friend and uh, president of the Western Fire Chiefs Association. I'm like, that son of a bitch, I'm gonna get him back for this. <laughs> and uh, like I guess I, I don't think it sank in until I got there. Um, I didn't realize it was such a big deal Um, maybe that was naive on my part, but man, they sure make a big deal of it back there, which made it even harder. Right. I mean, so, um, I, I don't like a lot of attention that way, um, at all. And so, um, I can say the thing will probably stay in the box or, or go somewhere else, but man, I'm not a, to your point, I'm not a big trophy guy.
1: Well, we're gonna sell people listening to this as to why you were, um, why you are the fire chief of the year. Um, well, I you're think the we need to sell it to
0: him too. Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 I like yeah, uh, you know, I go
2: yeah, you, you know, there there are others out there doing things too.
1: Well, I, after reading uh, more just about you and what you've done there and and your career, now you started over 40 years ago. You started as a hot shot um, and worked your way up through uh, San Diego Fire Department. You became the chief there, um, and then um, took the job over here at at, at um, Orange County. And tell us a little bit about that. You know, you know what what prompted you to to leave San Diego. What was that situation like? Yeah, that was
2: a, a really tough decision. I spent nearly thirty years in San Diego. After about thirteen years uh, with the hotshot organizations and you know fighting fire all over the the U.S. and um, I was happy in San Diego. I, I got uh, appointed fire chief in two thousand fifteen, and had a really great relationship with the mayor. The chief operating of the council, and we're accomplishing a, a bunch of, of things. And um, yeah, I never planned on leaving. It, it really had uh, more to do with the challenge that was presented here in Orange County. The fire chief before me uh, had suddenly um, resigned, and so uh, there was a vacancy here. You know, in San Diego, we serve about 1.4 million people through, I want to say, at the time, about 55 stations. Orange County, bigger, um, served 2 million people out of 78 stations with uh, air operations and a lot of similarities. We've used our task force down in San Diego, have used our task force here, a larger wildland fire responsibility. Uh, We've got hand crews and and, uh, and bulldozers and things that we didn't have. And so, um, and there were some very big public uh, issues, some of them, a couple of them, very embarrassing that I thought I could help them with. And so it took a little bit of uh, coercing by um, the recruiting folks, because I wasn't definitely wasn't all in. It was it was like the, they kept mailing and emailing and I wouldn't return them. And it's not like me to not be responsive. So I was like, oh, as a holidays, it's like, man, I've, I got to call this guy and just tell him, look, my first thing is, look, thanks for calling, but I'm not interested. Thanks, but I'm not. I heard what happened up there. I want nothing to do with it. I'm happy here. And he just laughed and uh, was a pretty good guy. He, he was the former city, longtime city manager in Anaheim. And he explained a little bit about what occurred up here that I was unaware of. And so I told him at the end of an hour and a half, I'm intrigued. I'm not in, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I go talk to my wife. It's like, hey, I got this call. And this is like, you need to take that job. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're here in San Diego, come on, so over time i you know it, it I was really interested in the challenges
1: and so really, the biggest part of it was here's an organization I want to show kind of right self challenge i want to show what I can do, and here's an organization that you know felt pretty confident about what you did in San Diego. you know that you probably felt San Diego was in good hands as well, correct
2: at yeah, that point no, they were good hands
1: and and so you you started basically working at orange county and um and then last night i got an email from you You said hey here's just a little background about what i what i'm trying to build and i couldn't stop reading it about two two and a half hours now i read very slowly i am a i used to be a truck guy now i'm a lieutenant so you know i don't read very very quickly there's not a lot of pictures in this stuff um but you know the the gist of this podcast is better every shift and and so i used i do a lot of self-help books some um you know leadership really related reading and i'm reading you know it's basically a manifesto just a process of what your thoughts are and how you were trying to we're implementing them step by step and it's nothing like i've ever seen in the fire service before where does all that come from where does that 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 background for you in that Um, you know, that education component on this come from?
2: You know, I'll try to keep it as as short as I can. You know, um, we had a uh, relationship, you know, having come from the Wildland Fire Service and the Hotshot Organizations and and whatnot, uh, post-South Canyon, you know, the tragedy in 1994 where where 14 firefighters were were lost um, in Colorado, it really brought about, a focus on leadership and, and leader development within, you know, the federal wildland uh, fire agencies. Uh, they developed, you know, the L380s, 180s, 280s, all these other things. And when in San Diego, me still being very close with you know, the Hotshot uh, Association and others that you know served when I did in those after, um, was really fascinated by, you know, the cultural change that they were experiencing within the federal wildfire uh, organizations and they tested a lot of these courses with the smoke jumpers and with the hot shots because if they embraced it then likely others would that was the right place to start and it always kind of thought it's like man we we could be doing something like that with the municipal or structural type firefighting so got together with mission-centered solutions out of colorado who developed those courses and basically piloted a bunch of those in San Diego. And there was the same course, but they changed the pictures from guys throwing dirt to firefighters dragging hoes and raising ladders and that sort of thing. But it's the same stuff, right? I mean, leader, leader development is what it is. And it was like 60% experiential. So, so it was experience-driven as opposed to just didactic or, or sitting in a classroom. And man, it, the, the folks loved it. They loved it, couldn't get enough of it, so much so that we made it part of the testing process that you had to, you know, the first level leader, first level supervisor piece, you had to take this to compete, you know, to for the captain's exam. And the next level for the battalion chief exam. So even those that went kicking and screaming that don't like to be forced into training usually came out and went, wow, that was probably some of the best I've ever had. And so we started focusing on more of a mission-driven culture and i don't know aaron maybe it's the same with you and your experience but i know mine was early in the career was the um, you know we were so rules and compliance based you know if you don't do it this way you can expect discipline or, or bad things will follow and in our business right i mean it's all about chaos and ambiguity um, uncertainty all of those things and the last thing we want people to do is to be worried about consequences when many times the decision the right thing to do is right in front of them if there's time compression then I mean, we don't have much time and to delay could make things worse or, or even cause lives and i've seen that play out time and time again you know in a lot of organizations a uh, little story I, I like to tell and really what kind of folks i mean in san diego we had a policy that was Hey, if you're sent to a response doesn't matter what happens when you're on the way of the response, you do not divert, you continue. Well, what if there's a car accident in front of you? Well, you drop a firefighter off or whatever, and you just continue. And I had a friend of mine, a couple of friends, well, one was uh, studying to be a captain, the other was the captain on a very busy engine, in fact, out where you worked at Station 14 at North Park. And so the story goes, it's midday, and they're heading down to a medical aid, down the you know four lane you know, thoroughfare there, and they see just coming up, big dark black smoke, people in the street waving them, hey, you gotta go this way. And you know they're thinking, wow, this time of day, everything else looks like apartment buildings back there from what they could see. The captain made a decision to break policy and to make that left and perhaps, you know, go to this fire and, and, and maybe change the outcome. He says his heart sank when they turned the corner and made another turn. It was one of those big construction bins that was on fire, and so it looked really impressive, right, from where they were going. But he realized then his biggest oh no, now I'm in trouble. Not anything else, right? And they'd sent somebody else to the medical aid, so the process went through, and he got disciplined fairly severely, and it caused a bunch of discussion on the floor. I was still on the floor at the time. It was like, hey, man, that's not right, you know. You tell us you empower us, and you expect us as officers to make decisions based on what we see, taste, smell. But then, you know, I do that. Now I get spanked and suspended, or or whatever the outcome was. And so we had a lot of discussion, and, and there were a number of examples like that, some big and small, and big fires. You know, we had a couple of big fires in two thousand three and two thousand seven wildfires that burned hundreds of homes and killed people and whatnot. And there were a lot of examples of, you know, that strike team that was very, that was led very tightly by a strike team leader, right? That, you know, you got this house, you got this house and versus a strike team leader that said, look, this is our block, do the best you can, you know, gave really good leaders intent and then laid back and was like, hey, I'm here for you. And then in contrast, those that had the ability to work very autonomously and, and learning as they went saved much more many more structures than the one that was very you take this one and 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 so you know when when general McChrystal's book came out team of teams there's a, a big part in the front of it where he talks about you know what were, they were experiencing in the early 2000s in iraq with al-qaeda and the missions they were going on they, they weren't accomplishing a lot of missions and al-qaeda was frankly as he put it you know kicking their butts pretty good and what they had was a, you know, Al-Qaeda okay, was a very decentralized um, organization. And McChrystal, who at the time was in charge of, I don't know what the military term is, but all the, you know, the, the, the special teams changed that so that, you know, individuals that are actually going on the raids and doing whatever they were, were involved in the early planning and development. And they saw their missions increase. They saw success increase and um, they call it mission command in the uh, military we we call it mission driven culture so we enlisted the help of mission-centered solutions in san diego to kind of help us with this i I had the benefit of probably 10 or 12 years of of the training and and leader development in san diego so i came here and it was very successful i came here i thought oh you know this is going to be a focus too. you know become well, like anything else, every cult every organization's got its own every culture's culture. Culture's different. Right? Yep. Yep. And um, it was not going to be as easy a, a task, and really had to develop longer in my mind, you know, longer over time. And it's been about a four, you know, almost a five-year journey to where you're getting, you know, the leadership and those within the organization to buy in because they get it. When you explain it like I did, people go. You sit around the the kitchen table, the fire station. They go, "Man, that's awesome." They go. So wait a minute. So I make decisions based on what I see, time compression and things go well. That's great. What happens when things don't go well? I've stepped out of policy and I'm I'm outside of our, our deal. You got my back then chief. And the answer is yes. I mean, at one point in San Diego, when that question came, we had to get attorneys in the room, you know, to, to convince people that no, you know, under, you know, your, your job in an emergency or whatever it is, no, you, you're back. But you know, it's one thing to say it; it's another thing when it happens to demonstrate it. But what we had to share with them too. Was listen, that doesn't mean they're in the level of accountability. I tell people, I expect you, and it blows their mind, like, I expect you to break rules when you need to. It's okay. We rules are good and they're for a reason. But you know, if you're being hemmed in because of those rules and you're not willing to step outside, you know, that's a problem for me. Um, yes, you're going to be asked, hey. Talk me through what you were seeing, doing when you made that decision, and even if in the end maybe it was not the best decision, at least you know there was some mind before. Now, when you first put it out, right? Of course, the workforce is like, "Oh man, I'm adding myself to every structure fire.
1: This is going to be chaos, right? Because I yeah. am, I'm, I'm, I'm going rogue, you know, because <laughs> I can do it, right? That's a firefighter, talking, yeah, right? A truck guy, oh, ha." <laughs> We're going yeah. on everything. West side, we're going. East side, we're going. Yeah,
2: and, and we saw a little of that, right? It, it didn't take much of bring in and say, "Look," and then they would say, "Well, that's mission driven
1: culture." It's like, no, 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 no. That's that's not what we're talking about. That's you driven culture. That's right? that's right. That's that's yeah. really uh, yeah. That's that's it's a selfish driven culture.
2: Did you check the computer see if you were actually closest? You know, in the front of the rig. Well, no. It's like you know, and so you can kind of talk your way way through it, but it it really has to it had to happen here. Um, internally, because I'm still, you know, I'm still the external chief, right. And it's one thing when you grow up in an organization for 30 years, you know, I ran with mostly pirates. And so I had a good network of people that would tell me, hey, what's really going on that I trusted, right. And um, here, I didn't have that network. And, um, and it doesn't matter whether I'm here 10 years, 20 years, I'm still came from the outside. Mm-hmm. so. Yeah getting buy-in, even though they liked what they heard, getting buy-in and understanding took a little bit, t- took longer. And so we really tasked, you know, at the division chief level to, you know, review work with MCS and, and I'd come in or whatever, but this couldn't be my thing. This couldn't be, you know, it's a fire chief. This is what we're g- It wasn't never gonna work. It had to be embraced you know, by those that that not only manage and, and lead the organization, but those within the organization. And so, you'll see in that document there were a lot of different um, sessions we had, a lot of input. We ended up with something I like to think is pretty simple: is you know, we have a you know a, a who we are document. This is who we are. These are our values. These are you know, the principles that we all agree say who we are as an organization. The harder part then is. You know, this is how we make decisions and, you know, and it talks about accountability and some of those other things. But is
1: that the that's the OCF F A way? Correct?
2: Yeah, that, that's yeah. the who we are and then the doctrine and it bounces from organizational to operational. The focus is more operational, but you can apply that if you're in payroll or you're in human. I mean, there's some things you're not really time compressed and life and death probably isn't a big thing in payroll, right, or and the fiscal side, right?
1: To someone it might be, though, right? Hey, be, right, yeah.
2: Agreed. Well, I shouldn't say payroll, right? Because payroll is. I mean, that's the one thing that- Well, yeah, focused. right. You better be on time with the paycheck. But it really is focused for those that are on the front lines, you know, you as a lieutenant and those things. I, I mean, we want you to be out there when it's in front of you and not even at the officer level, but even at the firefighter level. If it's in front of you, obviously, you know what you need to do but it's outside or it may we can't have you worried about discipline or what happens i expect you to take action and if you don't we may have more of a problem with you because we're giving you license to make good decisions at whatever level of the organization you're in
1: right and not to you have policy and i think that was one of the first things you said hey we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have solid policy and guidelines and those are one things. but if we if we all have the same vi- vision and the same, um you know, goal and understanding, like we all buy into the OCFA way when, when a situation doesn't apply to a policy, right? Cause we can't write policy for everything. You can't write guidelines for everything. It's just, right. and, and, but if we're all under the same framework and belief system, you're basically, that's how you're empowering the organization, right? Like that's the whole idea behind this. We've got to give them good
2: intent, right? I mean, intent-based decision making is what it's about. If we give good intent, you know, and it's clear, you know, we're giving many times task, purpose, end state, or even sometimes just end state. At the end, this is this is what I'm hoping it it looks like. Go do it. Um, You know, absent the intent, well, then you're going to have folks guessing. Well, God, do they mean this? Do they they mean that? It's like no. So we're we're really trying to focus on whether it's on the fire ground or, or whatever it is is look this is the intent, this is why. And I think it, I think it resonates with the younger firefighters. You know, some talk about all these generational issues and it used to be the, you know, gen X and Z whatever. Right. I think people ought to be informed. They didn't come up when I did where I say you're seen be heard. It's not up to you. You know, I, I was raised in that culture and it was just the way it was now people want to know more. And I think it's okay. I mean, there's times, obviously, if you're in the heat of battle, there's probably not a lot of time, but why not, you know, share with everybody, you know, what your thought process is, why? But we definitely want people not to be bound. We want to be an intent-based culture as opposed to rules or compliance-based. And, um, you know, firefighters do amazing things out there. You know, you're you're on the front lines now, man.
1: Yeah. We and, and I've had a chance to interview, you know, so many of them in the past year also. Um, and and you're right. You know, it's there's no problem with and I, I believe most of us do want to know where we're going now. I don't have to agree with it. You're right. But at least if I know, you know, and I think one of the things that has changed over the years and and I'm now been in the fire service for over 20 years. Right. You used to be able to sit at the table, the older older generation. They could tell a story and they could inflame it as much as they wanted. Now you got someone in the corner with a cell phone going, uh, no, that didn't didn't happen that way. Right. Here's <laughs> pictures. And here's what they said, you know? Right. So, uh, people can find out information so quickly. So why not just give it to them right from the source and, 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 and in your case, you made them part of the process. Correct.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and it's pretty hard not, uh, you know, you, don't, I don't get a lot of feedback whether it was in San Diego or here and Hey, we disagree with this now there are those that it makes really uncomfortable. And, and those are generally the rules followers, right? I mean, how many times have you had people say, Look, chief, I've got chief, I'm your best. I'm a rules follower. I'm your best employee. It's like, man, I do. I, I, I don't want rules followers. I mean, first, I say that, right, to kind of blow their minds a little <laughs> bit, right? Because it does like, why? Well, wait a minute, the chief don't like rules. Then I kind of refocus, like, look, look, rules are important. But I don't want you to be a rules follower should something but people get very, I found, and maybe you have too, get very comfortable within the rule set. If I just follow the rules and do not deviate for any reason, man, I'm good. And generally speaking, that's probably true. But in our business, our business isn't perfectly set up like that. We, we live in a world of chaos, uncertainty, all those things. And to your point, they're in a the rule for all that. They're in a the policy for all that. And so, but it does make those people those types of people very uncomfortable.
1: So you started policy and and SOGs created this OCFA way and the other part about this is you did it in a California way I'm going to say Hollywood kind of way because you added videos of um, you know your chiefs you added videos of, of members of the organization and what it meant to them and how it really uh, should be laid out or you know interpreted. And all the way down to the field. And I thought that was brilliant because now you can kind of see everyone else's kind of, not interpretation of it, but how they, what they really, how they really feel about it. Um, And, you know, you added some nice videos, interviewed and had this as part of, of, of a step process. So you had the OCFA way. What's the second part then that you're, you're, and I think, is that where you're in right now is the second part? Yeah, second it,
2: it's really the the second phase. The first phase, the OCFA way, and in fairness, I kind of inherited that. It was called the Orange County way. And it, when well, I became the chief here, the interim chief gave me a folder. And so the weekend, or a folder reminder. So the weekend before I started, he had like my whole first month lined out. And Janelle's smiling, but she knows me. I'm I'm kind of a chaos AD <laughs> man. I'm just like all over the bat. I'm, I'm I'm not organized like that. And in it though, in the fold was this tattered Orange County. I'm reading this thing. It's like, wow, this is an amazing document. It talks about you know who the organization was. And so I called him that weekend. I said, Man, what is this? You left it in there. He goes, Well, you know, the, the chief back then, Chip Prather, who was a chief here for 10 years. I think through 2007, maybe. Anyways, he uh, he was close with Bruno, and you know he spent time with Chief Brunicini in Phoenix. They all knew each other, Metro Chiefs or whatever. And he spent some time there, and largely took what he learned and adopted out of Phoenix because Phoenix has a similar document. It's probably called the Phoenix Way, right? And so. Plagiarization—something I think the fire service is very good at. We take great pride in. Uh, no better
1: compliment. And so, why recreate the wheel in some right? cases? Yep. And so he developed it
2: here with stakeholders, and so it needed a refresh. Was kind of our, our it because it, it do- dove into not just who we are, but kind of how we do things, and it was a little bit, which isn't surprising for 2007 issue mid 2000. So we really kind of refined it, brought in stakeholders both on the professional staff, firefighters at all levels, to really make this theirs because I'm not going to tell them who the OCF. I mean, they have to tell us, you know, what our values are, our principles, you know, how we aligned, how we hold each other accountable for them. But the big missing piece was okay, you got that. What about you know our operational doctrine for or philosophy for for lack of a, a better word? So this is kind of the culmination of that now the next phase we believe is is training to that or providing opportunities you know whether it be um you know staff rides you know other opportunities to really get people to 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 start thinking about and station visits i mean nothing replaces a station visit i mean i came from a time where man if we never saw the fire chief that was okay Right. Fire chiefs coming by. It's like, oh man, why did somebody do something wrong? Yeah. Right. Whatever. Right. Didn't want to see the only time the chief showed up were multi alarm fires. And then the next day it was, yeah, somebody saw you without gloves on, or you didn't have the right PPE. And it's like, well, why do these people even show up if they're just going to show up? And then a day later, you know, firefighters are dealing with complaints, the chief officers, you know, the executive staff. And so, but it's changed. Man, people want to see us. It blows my mind. People want to see us and talk with us and and ask us questions. And, man, they'll tell you what's working. They'll tell you mostly what's not working if you let them. And those are the things I think, well, not I think, I want to hear. I want to (laughs) And if you're not, I tell the people upstairs here on the floor that if you think you know what's going on out out in the floor ranks, you don't. You want to know? You need to go out there and talk with them. I mean, Aaron, how many times have something come from the top and you get it and you go, well, this is nice, but this isn't what we need. Because those at the top many times think they know what you need and they're not always right. And so there's nothing that replaces a station visit when you can sit there and listen and share what's going on. Um, Cause you know, firefighters, right? They're gonna call their buddies next and they're going to tell them next and, and and if you have what I found, if you have a really strong point to make, you better say it at least three times, because by the time the rumor mill begins, um, you know, a few places out. Anyway.
1: If you can write it down somewhere, that's even better, because then if they can take a picture of it and pass the picture on, that's even that way. So as long as we don't have to say anything, right, because, you know, we yeah. misconstrue stories, you misconstrue situa- situ- situations, misconstrue um, situations, you know, all the, all the time. But, you know, you're right. I think times have really changed where, you know, we you want that chief to understand what you're going through now. And, uh, you know, and it happens where sometimes a program is trying to be implemented and you're like, chief, how, you tell me if you're in my shoes, how is this going to happen? And, and you know, sometimes there's that disconnect. But, yeah, it, being present more within the field and the stations is, is a um you know, I think a huge part of that huge step. Right. And that's kind of what you found and and that's what you preach there.
2: Yeah. I I mean, it's all about, you know, those, those folks at the tip of the spear and I I was meeting with one of my directors this morning. I got 25 directors. That's my governance. I got a board of 25, so not any less complicated there, but I, you know, it's a great relationship I have with them. And so I meet with them pretty regularly and we were, we were talking about, um, you know, just that, that the need to, you know, meet with people and, and to really uh, listen to them. And that, you know, things have, things are very different than when I was on the floor. And I mean, you know, the behavioral health and the, the mental health and, you know, all that is is real. And if we're not out there listening um, to the troops and really trying to take, some of our best ideas, I, I swear, come from the field. They know what they need.
1: Yeah. yeah, we just have a bad, bad way of packaging them and and expressing that sometimes, right? I mean, you know, yeah.
2: It, and some of the, you know, but an organization of this size, so many layers, like, you know, you got the engineer, you got a captain, you got a battalion chief, you got a division chief, an assistant chief, a deputy chief. I mean, oh my God, by the time, you know, and they're all trying to filter, not, not filter to keep information away from me, but, you know, what do you think the chief needs to know? And so. When I go out there and hear some of this, it's like, man, that is genius. That is good stuff. And I start asking, you know, hey, where are we to this many times? They haven't heard it, but there's just so many filters. I'm not saying they intentionally filter information out, but if you're not out there listening, um, in so many ways, this organization is very advanced. In other ways, not so much.
1: Yeah, Um, I think every organization has that challenge, right? And sometimes we do great. Um, We're actually showing for those that are watching in video. We're we're showing a website you developed about, uh, I and mean, this is to help educate your all your members. It doesn't matter just if they're leadership, but there's uh, you know take me through this website a little bit. What was the the idea behind it? Well, you know, it,
2: it was suggested to me that we, that a a website be uh, built, right? So um, we've got some again some very talented individuals uh, on the job, not just firefighters but professional staff. And they were a big part of all of this, and so I was as blown away as you are, Aaron. I mean, I, I knew they were doing this, and I'd seen a little bit over time they were showing us. But when they, you know, presented this, I was floored, man. I'm like, wow. I yeah, no this idea. is
0: this is pretty slick. I think this is what Aaron meant by the Hollywood floor uh, uh, treatment, right? It's it's a really slick website. It's OCFATraining.org/leadership. forward slash for those who are just listening here, but yeah, take us through it. Yeah,
2: it, it was, um, you know, cause it, originally we were gonna, I probably got them here too, you know, we had, you know, originally came out with, you know, there's the OCFA way, this is the tattered version. And then we ended up with like, you know, booklets and I'm like, you know, well, this is awesome. Let's just, let's get the booklets out to everybody or make them a, Hey, Ooh, we'll make them electronic. And these guys, you know the young folks are like, chief, we we can do better than that. It's like, all right, d- go for it. Do whatever you you want. You just turn them loose. And I think that's a another great example. You turn folks loose, and it's amazing what they'll do. I mean, if you look at the video the the starts with the division chiefs and others out there, I'm not in that thing. No, and that, that's purposeful. They didn't ask, which was fine. I would, have, <laughs> I would have said no, but I mean, they have to own this because this, this can't be you know chief Fennessy's thing you know this has to be their thing and if it lasts and, and it should last beyond me should there be opportunities maybe for it to be uh, uh, changed or edited or amended because it's a living document probably but when you get into it i mean these are leadership concepts that aren't new right i mean they there may be newly exposed to some of the fire service but you know, the mission driven culture thing gets a lot of attention because, you know, I'll, I would say a lot of chiefs, but not everybody sees things exactly that way. And I think it goes back to that rules slash compliance based culture that these paramilitary organizations live within. I'm safe if I stay within these rules. Right. I'm saying you're not. I'm saying you're failing us if you continue to manage within those rules. We need to let our people, when I say leaders, I mean, everybody from a, you know, firefighter on the floor to upper man, make decisions best you can. But the folks out on the field, man, they're the ones seeing it, tasting it, smelling it. We're not there, you know, and maybe it's not the way we, but we weren't there and they are and we need to back them and we need because people, there's no question in my mind, people will, will die or be hurt. You know, if people don't make decisions um, that need to be made because they're concerned of the consequences associated with those.
1: Do you make all your members? Are they required to do any particular courses on this through this website, or what's the no. requirement for them?
2: No, I, I think exposure is probably the best thing. You know, some folks will get in there and they'll see something, they'll tell you know, they're but hey, look at this, and and then it will drive some conversation. Uh, <laughs> What we've done, though, is we've added at least for, I think, the division chief and battalion chief testing processes. We've told them that, hey, there may be a few questions in there. Yeah. And you know how it is. You just studied for Lieutenant and made it right?
1: Yep. You're I'm there. I'm watching every single thing on there. <laughs> uh, you know, it's and brilliant. You know, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. As
2: firefighters, right? I mean, I mean, I tested, right? I mean, you're never more knowledgeable than when you're testing for a promotion or something else, right? So if I know it might be in there, I got to watch it. And the reality is they might find something in there. They go, Ooh, I'm glad I did that because man, this is actually pretty good. I mean, I'm the same way, right? I I wasn't big into volunteering when I was new on the job and and somebody, another firefighter said, Hey, let's go down to this Christmas, build a bike thing. The union's sponsoring. They got pizza and beer. So man, I'm like all in. So I'm down there and we're assembling bikes for kids right and kids are there and i thought wow this is really cool man but if i hadn't have been drugged by a buddy to go to that with him because largely there was pizza and beer i'd have ne- i might not have gotten that experience of volunteering that felt so good which caused then me to you know get involved with other things so i see this same way if somebody opens this because they think they're bummed because it's one more thing to test for but they stumble across something that maybe you know, helps them, not only their work, but maybe in their personal lives or whatever.
1: Um, I don't know. Well, and I love it. I see, you know, you saw uh, uh, General McCraven was in there. I thought you had some Simon Kinnick in there. Um, You know, you had a lot of the the leadership books outside of the fire service. And I think sometimes in the fire, we're reluctant. They don't understand. We're the fire service. They don't understand, you know, leadership, uh, you know, the way that, that we need to imply it. And I think we got to get over ourselves because it, it re, like you had said, look, this came from wildland. Some of it came from the military. Some of it came from things that you've experienced and read, right? We're all people. We're all trying to, to, to create a culture of, is what you call mission driven. So, so is a company, so is a business, so yeah. is a, a, so is a sports organization, I have a, some some good friends that are, you know, coaches all the way up to the professional level. And when you talk about creating a culture, right, they have a playbook. We have an SOG, you know, but if the play doesn't go the right way, training comes into it, right? Yeah. You, and you practice for those things. And it's really, you know, refreshing just to read all your doctrine because it's it's go, it's going kind of through that. You're like, here's the process. Here's where we're at. Here's where I need your buy-in and by the way, this isn't me, this is the people that have been here for all these years, snicker, snicker. You know, like I'm, yeah, yeah. right? Like, yeah. uh, and and so I was super excited just to talk to you just about, about you know, this side of stuff and how, um, you know, it's just enlightening to see. When you started going through this, right? Like talk about your own personal development through this a little bit. When you first started, you know, you started with the wild land and then as you, you started to see, you said like, guys, guys are eating this stuff up like you know take us through your own journey then did you just start did that implore sure. you to dig in more
2: no you know what man i i stumbled across it right i mean every, and even the fire service that kind of stumbled across i hear all these stories right i do new hire interviews. why the fire and i hear some amazing stories you know about people who have had an experience when they were young or whatever it's like man that wasn't my experience i just kind of got kind of lucky, right? I, I, I didn't do well in school is, um, you know, I, I played sports, and that kind of got me through high school, went to, a, you know, really large high school in the LA area and played football, and that kind of got me through. And, but at the end of high school, man, I didn't have anything going for me, I was, you know, I had five or four other brothers, and I was kind of the black sheep, um, was in a little bit of trouble with the law, nothing major. But My dad was old school, you know, Navy, World War II, Korea, and say, man, you know, you are either going to school or you're working or you're finding another place to live. You're not living here. And I'm charging you rent. And you charge me rent. And he wasn't lying, man. And so 18 came around, got out of high school. He said, so, you know, school's not really sound like really an option for you, (laughs) you know? And so I was down at the unemployment office in Pasadena. And, uh, was Approached by somebody there said, Hey, what do you think about being a firefighter? I, said, I never really thought about it. A couple uncles that were firefighters, but right? said, Go to Oak Grove Ranger Station uh, on Monday, uh, they'll issue you some boots, to put you through training. And so, I ended up on this hotshot crew, you know, out of um, the Oak Grove Hotshots. And um, man, I'd never really been out of the LA area, and we were going to fires throughout the West. And man, I, I loved it, it was hard work, you know, obviously. Um, and my aspiration then in life was I did want to swing that Pulaski. I, w- I want to run that chainsaw. That to me was like, man, that is my life's goal. I want to run that chainsaw. I want old the burgers chain-
1: to fries, man.
2: Right? I'm trying to do, right. So man, I got to do that. And then it was like, Hey, I got to be a squad boss. And then I mean, I can look back at I was 24 years old. And um, somebody saw something in me I didn't and, and um, I went to work on those or actually became a hotshot crew foreman. now they call them captains. We were foremen back then. I was 24 years old and I've got us, you know, a crew of 10, you know, there's 20, 20 person hotshot crew, but I had a, one of the modules. And um, I remember where I'm going with this is kind of my leadership epiphany was, you know, growing up in a yelling, screaming, cussing, you know, physical, this, is what you'll do. I mean, that was, that was how I led you know I yelled at my team and kicked him in the butt and and they responded to that I couldn't figure out why they want to drink beer you know at the end of the day why you know it wasn't and so there I was uh, somewhere on the forks of the salmon River and I'm lining out my crew I'm telling them whatever I'm yelling until you willed and blah 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 and they went off to go do the thing and I, I could hear a little whistle and there's a uh, where the old hotshot superintendents was up on the hill who must've been watching this whole thing. And he waved me up. And this guy was the guy that meant if he said hi to you in fire camp, man, that was a big deal. I was like, Oh man, this is, you know, God, he, he knew my name, right. Or he waved at me
1: or whatever. So he waved me up had me sit down. And this was like chief fantasy to me eight years ago, by the way, or 10 years yeah. ago Knew <laughs> my name and took me under your wing. I'm not kidding. you. I I'm, I'm right there with you in this story
2: this guy did this, right? And, he, and he, he suggested to me that there was a different way of getting people to do what you'd like them to do. And I thought at the time, man, this guy's crazy, man. And I just, there was fun. I told him, well, I think there was no, he asked me, how do you think that went? And I said, no, I thought it went okay. I said, they're out doing the thing. And that's when he suggested. And he pulled this book out of his pack. It was uh, the art of war, Sun Tzu, art of war he said, We're well, am going to see you later, someone's on some fire. And we're going to talk about, you know, this book. And I was like, oh my God, not only do I get to sit with this guy, but he gave me a freaking book, right? I'm going to read. And uh, now I'm really freaking nervous, right? I don't know if you've read the art. You probably have, Sun Tzu. That is not like an easy read. And when you're like 20, it's like, what the hell is this? Right? And he's going to test me on it. He's going to ask me. And so I did see him later and, and he did, you know, most of the talking, but, Um, he introduced me to others and then I ended up working for a superintendent that was very big on leadership, but, um, and really just became a, a leadership. I was just hungry for it. Right. Ended up on the NWC, just same superintendent, uh, retired, went to work for local government for a little while. And then he had, he invited me to the NWCG leadership committee, which was all the federal agencies, the state, and he was the local rep. And I thought he was inviting me typical, typical of him, thought he was inviting me just to check it out Well, he was checking out on his way out. And all of a sudden I'm like the guy, right? And so now I'm surrounded by people that just, you know, are doing this for the, you know, the, the agencies and, um, man, I just, I still have a thirst for it. Like, like you do. Um, I find myself reading now a lot of stuff about, you know, human behavior and some of those things. Why do people do what they do and how do they react? And I just have a fascination or curiosity for it. I'll end with this. As I was, you know, preparing for this and looking at some of the former podcasts, I forget who it was. But the question was, hey, do you think leaders are made or do you think they, you know, are natural in this and that? I don't know. I can't even remember what the answer was for for the other guy, but I think they can be me. I'm an example of somebody that was really a a very poor leader. And I don't know that I'm the best leader today, but I know I try really hard. And I mean, every day, you know, I talk to myself through a lot of self-reflection and, you know, how can I do better? Um, I I still try really, really hard. I, I don't know that any of us ever, like, get there. Okay, I'm there now. I don't know yeah. that that's possible, but man, I'm trying really hard and I'm not, I don't get it right every time, but if I find myself getting angry or, or, or whatever, it doesn't happen very often. I got immediately, I'll ask myself, well, why is it my ego? And generally it is right. Is it my ego that's banging on me? Is it my insecurity or something? Is it the, how dare they challenge me? Cause I'm the fire chief. That would be the worst.
1: Right. I mean, no, it's usually one of those three things, isn't it? Right. That's 99% of it. Ego.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Insecurity. You know, the more insecure somebody is, the bigger ego they've got is what I found. Or mm-hmm. they read very heavy-handed because there's some insecurities there. But I, you know, I had to kind of learn that. So if nothing else. I do a lot of self-reflection that way is that especially if I find my heart beating or, or something goes, why is this what about this is causing me this this reaction. But anyways, long I I I, I love it. Digress. No,
0: that's that's so great. Um, you know, you mentioned well, you, there's quite an evolution for one. That's amazing. And I think that self-reflection is so critical in that, but you mentioned earlier, and I think it connects in with what you were just telling the story about, you know, how you were disciplining and, oh, how do you think that went? Here's the art of war. I'm seeing these connections because you called yourself an outside chief earlier when you were coming into Orange County, right? Now, in the Fire Chief of the Year Award nomination, one of the quotes says, I'm going to embarrass you for a second here, Chief Fennessey's leadership has been so impactful, it is now baked into OCFA's DNA. So to be an outside chief coming in, and then also just thinking back to your previous story, like how do you find that way to build that trust with these people I mean, being baked into the DNA, that's a pretty powerful statement. How do you achieve that?
2: Yeah, I don't, in full transparency, I don't remember that being said because a lot of that stuff, I just kind of ducked my head anyways, right? It's like, ah. <laughs> well, you know, the reality is this, is that is, I, I don't know if it's true or if it's not. And to me, legacy is not important. A lot, I talk to a lot of chiefs who are getting close to retirement or whatever, and they talk about their legacy. And I get really uncomfortable. It's like, legacy? what the hell is that I don't need a legacy i mean you go to work you do the things you can for your people and try to make the organization and the service good the legacy i don't i don't need or want some stinking legacy and i also realize though that too right in these positions especially more and more today you're a hero one minute right but one bad thing come up and it doesn't even have to be the fire chief or something it can be somebody else and then you're not so i guess I'm flattered, obviously, that that, that would be said. Um, and I'm not discounting the fact that whoever said it genuinely meant it. But I don't know. I mean, who is baked into the freaking? I don't know. Maybe 10 years from now, they look back and go, yeah, no, he was okay. Like, I look back at Chip. Chip there's a friend of mine to this day. I was introduced to him way back then when I think I was a captain. And he and I get together sometimes for lunch, you know, a few times a year. And I mean, I just admire the heck out of the guy, very soft-spoken, but man just an amazing leader. You know, if 10 years from now, you know, they look back or people are here that weren't here and go, Hey man, that, that guy fantasy, he was okay. You know, he took care of us. Man, that would be, that would be success for me. Um, because you know what, you're not going to win the favor of everybody, no matter what. I mean, I didn't know the fire chiefs early on in San Diego. I knew a lot of guys didn't like him, but, I didn't know enough to like or dislike. Right. I mean, and some people will just dislike whoever the fire chief is, even if they've never met him. It's just, you know, human nature. So well,
0: I, I think you might not go into it with the exact intent to have your vision, quote, baked into the DNA, because that's such a specific thing. Right. But I think the step before that is probably top of mind. Throughout your career, which is building trust. So maybe that's the better way to reframe it is like how that. do you build trust as an outsider?
2: I like that. And, I mean, I totally, and that's the whole business, right? That's it. And we firefighters, we can sniff out a fraud in a heart. Well, sometimes not in a heartbeat, most of the time in a heartbeat, but a fraud will show themselves at some point and we'll go, I knew it. I knew it. Right. <laughs> and so we're just like that. Yeah. Right. We're going to
1: think we knew it the whole, I knew it the whole time.
2: Yeah. What? yeah. And so you know, what I tell people, man, if you're not, don't say it or don't be it. If you're not really it, you better be honest and transparent. You know, if you love the organization, if you're passionate about that, you can only fake it so long, especially as the fire chief, man, you are always in the spotlight and you will have a moment of weakness. If you don't really believe you, if you let your guard down and people will see it. So they, you know, you really have to, you know, be someone that, that is, you know, trustworthy, that is going to tell the truth, that is transparent. And I'm not going to tell you that I was always that way. I wasn't the case. Like I said, I ran with a lot of pirates back in the day. and We had a lot of fun that probably would have got me fired today had I been in there, right? But, um, but there's never a reason to be dishonest in the fire service. We are such, I think, um, you know, generous people that will give folks you know, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, there's never a reason to lie. We all screw up, right? From the fire chief all the way down and just acknowledging it and acknowledging to be better. And sometimes it comes with discipline, sometimes even worse, right? But the fire service is so forgiving that way. If you wanna build trust, you better walk the walk and you better, my my plan for coming here being an external chief was, you know, I'm gonna visit a hundred stations in my first hundred days for dinner, lunch, whatever. I didn't get that far. I knew the work would eventually catch up with me where that probably wouldn't be possible. But I I bet I made close to 70 visits. If you wanna know what's going on in an organization, like I said earlier, you go visit a fire station. If you do that from themes start to line up, themes and and reputations of people. and, And you start to really get a sense of who that organization was. And I think that was key for me. And I learned so much in those visits. Then I'd come back here and go, Hey, I'm hearing there's a theme out there. I'm hearing, is this true? And many times, like, yeah, that's true. It's like, well, we need to fix that. I mean, I, I won't get into details because this is a great organization and one that was always has had a great reputation. I applied for it back in like 1980, stood in line. I was still very much wanting to be, you know, in the hotshot organization. Really wasn't interested in, but I, I went with everybody else and took the test. And so I got here. I said, look, I. I failed to get in 40 years ago, but I got in the other way uh, this time. But great reputation, but like with any organization, once you get into it, you know, there's strengths and weaknesses, and there still are. I mean, we still have challenges internally, things we want to do or should be better at. But I don't know, I appreciate that, um, Janelle, that trust trust is everything, and if you lose it, then I mean, you, you likely aren't getting it
1: back. Chief, I, 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 love the fact that you're, you're so humble with this too, you know? And, uh, and I, again, I met you 10 years ago and, and you kind of, uh, you know, took the time to, to talk to me and, and, and be that kind of person as that, that old salty vet was to you. And I appreciate that. And, and you have a vision, obviously, um, to build trust, to empower your employees, to educate them. So what's next for you? What's next for the organization? I don't
2: know, you know I, and I appreciate that. You, you're another one, Aaron, that loves the fire service. It's hard, you know, I get it all the time now, right? Cause I've at that, you know, 45 years in the fire service and I think it'd be nice to do 50, but I don't know. You know, my biggest concern is I'm preparing others to replace me, right? And so I don't want to overstay, have them prepared and then be that person that stays longer, and then they end up being chief somewhere else or retiring. And so I'm trying to balance that out a little bit um, as well. I think, you know, I'm pretty engaged nationally uh, and statewide. And I think nationally I've, I've got a develop a pretty good relationship or a very good relationship with our current US Fire Administrator, Dr. Lori Moore Merrill. And I believe very strongly in, in what she is she's doing and she's on fire i mean she's accomplished so much in just a couple of years she's been the fire administrator and uh i i asked her uh, one night you know over dinner you know the group i said so what do you do for work-life balance because i know mine is out of whack i don't have it i don't <laughs> do not use me as the example bad example i'm, I'm lucky i've got a wife that tolerates my madness Um, but I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. Um, and she says, I don't have work-life balance. It's all work. I mean, she was like, they hired me to do this and I'm going to do this and this. And my, my, you know, my husband knows this. And, and I was like, damn, um, wow. And she is, so there's things like, um, we're working through is, um, things like ESF four, where the forest service and others manage the movement of, of fire, you know, under the national framework, the Forest Service is the emergency support function uh, lead, federal lead for that. Well, I think they do a great job of moving wildland resources and green resources, but they don't do a very good job with the red stuff, you know, with hazmat, with all those others. And the fire administration is a co-lead. So getting them to, she's, you know, working towards getting them to be you know, part of that co-lead because we're We're missing the boat, not just for wildfire, but we have the big earthquakes out here. We're going to need the other half of the country's help. If we don't have a system in place, and EMAC is not that system and some of the others. So big things like that, statewide EMS is a big issue. Uh, Internally, we're focused on ambulance transportation, not necessarily being the ambulance provider, but partnering perhaps, but improving ambulance response time. You know, they're having challenges with EMTs. I mean, all these things are, are big and complex. Um, the wildfire issue, you know, not just here, but throughout the West, it's a big issue. And so, you know, President Biden's commission's about to publish their report next week. We've got some insight into that and how we then work locally with our state legislators and in DC to get more emphasis on some of the climate change stuff. So. But man, I love this stuff. That's the thing. I, that's why it's so hard to think about retirement. Um, Aaron is man. I, I don't know. I, I I love doing the stuff we're doing, and I love the people that you know around me. I love these conversations we have, and so I'm in no hurry to to hang it up. I'll just say that.
1: That's good because we're gonna want want you to be on for a couple more podcasts. I think <laughs> down the road. Um, and I think it, you know, you're you're about ready to explode. Especially if we can share. Do you mind if we share this doctrine? No, no, no.
2: Feel, okay, feel free. I mean, that's for. If anybody, if anybody has questions, they can contact me direct. You can give my email and, and my. I I've got business cards that got my email and cell phone on them. And people think that's nuts. It's like, well, no, I will answer you. I'm one of those people that, you know, may not be that day, but within a few days, you will get a response.
1: Yep. Um, I can attest to that, you know, right away. I mean, you were the big chief in San Diego and I was this little guy in the corner, you know, and you, you actually took me on a tour of your entire facility, your training facility, answer questions. And, um, you know, we had a day, we took a whole day and, and did it. And so I, I, I will verify that. And, um, uh, so I think you're about ready to, uh, explode here. When people start to look at this, I had probably 15 people that I was ready to send that to. And I'm, I'm glad that you. Yeah, are sharing free. that work and and thank you for doing that work and thank you for for having the foresight to do that and you know I think the big thing is a lot of us feel that same way but you're able to put it in paper that was hard. and and then transfer it with a little California flair to video and a great website and I do believe a lot of people uh, will use that as a template for the fire service and um, um you know it will leave a lasting impression I'm just telling you that now because I'm going to use it for as long as I'm in because uh, it it was that good. Um, again, congrats on the award. I, I, uh, I think a lot of people after they read that and listen to this will be, um, on board team fantasy. And, um, you know, if you decide to run for office, which I think we could probably, you know, put you through here next after you, um, you know, I think, I think you're going to have some supporters hopefully after this. Um, but you're not done yet. We we got a couple of things for you. We got, we're going to find the other side of chief, um, kind of the lighter side. We do things, um, we like to put people in the hot seat. Um, and a lot of the questions come from previous guests. Uh, Janelle's mom, who is a big supporter of the show, also comes up with great questions. Especially since you're, you know, from San Diego, I think Janelle's got a couple for you. Awesome.
0: All right, I want to know. Of course, selfishly, being still in San Diego, I want to know what you miss about San Diego specifically. Like, maybe like a specific burrito shop or like Ooh. you know something in particular where like when you're back in town you're like oh i gotta go to that spot or do that thing
2: i do you know there's a couple places you know the Cast street bar and grill in um pacific beach it's been a long time since i've been there i don't know if they've been there they made the best chinese chicken or fish chicken or fish oriental fish salad or chicken salad amazing and then there's a place I love Mexican. I could have Mexican food every day and be okay. And I just love Mexican. There's a, a place, I don't know if it's still there, I think it was called Rose, I suppose, right next to the Bales Bonds uh, Company, right down by the trolley downtown, this little shop. And man, they had I don't
0: the know it
2: best freaking Mexican food. I'll I'll, um, <laughs> I'll find out if it's still there, I'll send it to you.
0: Please but, do.
2: I, you know, I love San Diego. I wasn't from San Diego before I was born and raised in in LA area. And when I took the job down there, I didn't know anything about San Diego. Um, but man, I, it, it really is a great city to, to live in or, or, or to be around. It's, it's got its issues now. Homelessness, of course, is a big one down there. Um, but everybody's being challenged with that. Even here in Orange County, not, not nearly yeah. like they are in San Diego everybody will tell you this, but it's true as the people, you know, I run into my firefighters and I still call them my firefighters from San Diego. And then I get good big hugs. I was a pod, I'm a Padres fan, like it or not. You know, I'm, I'm, still with them disappointed this year, but whatever, but I go to the game and I guys will come up. Hey chief, goodness, and man. I don't know if it's age or what I can't always remember their names. Right. I get a big hug and we miss you. And that makes me, Feel good. They've got a good chief, and the organization is great. But I didn't ever plan on leaving. Yeah. I mean, I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought I would leave that place. And so, I miss. I do miss the the people um, down there. It's a wonderful city.
0: San Diego misses you. Collectively, we all miss you.
2: Well,
0: come visit. You. Come back. Come
2: visit. I did a. Uh, you love this so the 9/11. You know, just happened. And so, KUSI, the folks at KUSI, the local San Diego station. Tommy Sablon, remember little Tommy from? He's yep. one of the producers. Really. He and I are very close friends. We used to, when I was down there, visit Juvenile Hall and, and talk to the, the kids. And I'd share my story. I only gave you a glimpse of it here, but my story with them and that they could too, you know, be firefighters and blah, 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 those that, that could. And anyways, he's a producer there. He calls me every 9 11, hey, can you be on the show? And so that morning I do a live piece, you know, for the San Diego News. I get all my San Diego guys are
1: texting. me. He's like, dude, (laughs) what
2: are you doing on our news?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. He's still got a foot in that
1: community. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. I I love the community. Chief, you mentioned the Padres. Uh, I want to ask, what other hobby do you have outside of the fire service? You know,
2: sadly, I I don't have a lot uh, because it does consume so much, which is a concern. You know, as we're talking, I'm getting close to retirement to me. That causes a little anxiety. But, man, I love, you know, I've got the MLB channel, so I don't miss, like, a game, right, of the the Padres. And I watch other games. And and I'm a big NFL guy. I've got the NFL package. So, man, I'm on red zone. I'm watching. I'm a Raider fan. All right. Don't beat me up. But lifelong Raider fan. Um. You know, my kids are all grown now and, and they're doing well. I used to love to go to their games and those sorts of things. But, you know, that's probably a piece that, you know, we talk a lot about behavioral health and what happens in retirement. We see a lot of retirees. I know you do too, Aaron, that some do very well in retirement, some don't. That's a concern I have for myself because, man, I've put it all in into the fire service. and And others are like, well, you can go consult or you can go do this. I don't know if I want to do any of that. You know, but doing nothing man, I don't know this going to be good for me either. So I don't golf. um, I don't drink. So hanging at the bar is probably not something I'm going to be doing much of. So I don't know. But that's something that, quite frankly, I've got to, you know, I've got to be attentive to, you know, these jobs require a lot of sacrifice. And I sacrificed a lot of family time along the way that I'm that I do have some regrets about to be fully, you know, honest. Um, but I'm happy, right? I mean, I'm not unhappy and and well, my work life balance is completely out of whack. It always has been, but it's better than other things that, that, I don't know. I, I'm happy.
1: Um, something uh, tells me you're not going to do nothing. I don't know I I don't think you know how to do that. So I don't think it, I can. Yeah, that's that's gonna I'm gonna ask you this question a couple of years from now on the podcast, and you're gonna have a couple of them. That's, that's, that's a goal for you. Thanks. You're
0: also gonna be writing more regularly. For me, that'll be your, that'll be what you do, right?
2: Whenever you ask, it always <laughs> always come to you're one of those people I can't I say have. no to.
0: <laughs> I always got to work in my writing pitch, right? Uh, so well, this kind of connects too. I I was curious, you know, you live in paradise. So, where do you like to go when you go on vacation for those times you actually can get away with the family? What's your uh, favorite vacation spot?
2: You know, I, I don't do many vacations. I plan them that don't do them, but um, I'm actually leaving in November to go to Kauai. Um, oh, very nice. I, you know, I'm not going to places really to be a tourist as much as just to kind of do nothing, maybe, right? And sleep yeah. and walk and. You're right. I, I mean, I live in San Clemente, and nothing, you know, super big or anything like that. But um, I love it there, right? I figured when I retired, I'd probably move back to North San Diego County, Carlsbad, or something like that. We're thinking about staying San Clemente. I mean, I'm I'm five doors from Camp Pendleton, the border, so I'm about as close yeah. to San Diego County line as you can get. Yeah. But I I love the pace of the the city, it's kind of a I don't surf, but it's a surf city. And, and there's lots of places to eat and, and hike. And it's just uh, beautiful. But you know, I try to take a couple weeks a year, I'm not always successful. Um, again, it's that work life balance. It's a little out of sorts. But now that my kids are gone, I got dogs. And trust me, man, who's gonna watch the dogs? Yeah. And well, we can board, we're not boarding the dogs. And so you know, um, I take it while I can, you know, if I've got a longer weekend, maybe we go out to Palm Springs or we do something, but I don't feel like I'm lacking, but I like, you know, just being, I, I've, I've never been quiet, but I think that'll be nice because there's not a lot to do there. I'm told, but it's beautiful. I'm told, so we'll see. Um, but those are the kind of things that I think in I'd like to travel, um, I think so. I don't know more to follow. I guess.
1: All right, Chief. We got one more question for you. A serious, more of a serious one, but it relates back to the show. Better every shift. Uh, you know, obviously, you've given us a lot of nuggets on how to improve organizations, how to you know be better leaders. How are you personally working to get better?
2: I think largely, it's it's you know, you know, being out and. In, in, and interfacing, not just with, you know, our firefighters here, but looking outside the organization. And, you know, we laughed about plagiarism, but man, there's a lot of good stuff that others are doing and and not just metro agencies, you know, I mean, even small agencies and, and organizations. So I found myself, you know, on a lot of different committees and boards, not all that take a lot of time or travel or anything, but To exchange information not just with other fire chiefs either but others and i'll give you a a short example you know we send we've been sending our strike teams out on fires for 14 days to 21 day assignments whatever you know not inclusive of of travel well recently found out that ventura county and others are, are now shifting to more of a seven day you know, it's a lot of logistics, if you've ever done that moving 20 people up and down the road, leaving the apparatus in place, but changing, exchanging people, and the agreements we have um, allow for that. But we think that, you know, whether it's new generation or not, people want their time off more. And if, and if people know they're gonna be gone for 14 to 16 days, when you talk about travel, I and mean, that's tough on relationships. Now, that's tough on families. And so if we can limit that, you know, to something more palpable, you know, I think we're going to relieve some of the stress on the firefighters. And so I use that as an example because um, if we're going to get better, if I'm going to get better, man, I, I want to hear what others are doing uh, in terms of, of you know, making it better for their firefighters. I'm on a weekly call started several years ago, a uh, half hour early morning with the LA City, LA County, Ventura County Fire Chiefs we we don't even know we're talking about but you know half hour we come in and and we've exchanged information um we've done a lot of different things together personally i still you know like to read and i try to i try it's harder now than it ever has been but i'm finding that gap that i don't have for reading there's so much stuff whether it be on ted or youtube or or things that get sent to me right that maybe is a 12 minute video that call, you know, causes me to think, you know, you mentioned Simon Sinek and some of the others. I mean, a lot of us yourself included are very familiar with that. A lot of people aren't, but you know, Billy is a uh, has turned me on to a number of different things, or he'll send a link. And so I think just continuing, you know, personal growth that way, as well as organizational growth, by, by looking over the fence, it sounds kind of obvious, but man, there's a lot of fire departments that don't look over the fence and they believe that, you know, they're doing it better than anybody else. So why do I, or, or for whatever reason, that's the way this organization was for a while. Now I've got all my people, you know, looking over, they're engaged in fire scope and they are in these committees and they're building their own networks of fire service and professional, you know, agency people. So I don't know, you know, a lot of it, Aaron, I, I don't give it a lot of thought, you know, I don't know that it's just natural or anything like that, but it's that thirst, right? I'm interested in what you, what you're doing. I'm interested in what Janelle doing, not for selfish reasons, but because I'm, I'm just a curious person anyways.
1: Well, I think that's, that's it really. I mean, it's the search, it's the, the, the thirst, uh, as you said, looking over the the fence for, for what other people are doing and how then you could adapt that to be better be better chief, be a better, um, you know, leader, whatever it is. And I think that's really, that's, that's an excellent summary. Um, I, for, for probably what you stand for, what your organization stands for is continually look around you. And, you know, that's really what the podcast is about. And, and speaking of looking over the fence, if you are just listening to this podcast, you can actually watch us. You can watch chief fantasy. You can see, um, you know, some of the website that he's developed. Um, you can see us on the, Fire Rescue One YouTube page. You can also see us on firerescue1.com. You can email us with any questions uh, for Chief or for Janelle or for myself, suggestions, feedback. Let us know if we're on something or onto something. Uh, you can email us again at better every shift at firerescue onecom Please uh, rate, review the show. Uh, Chief Fennessy, congratulations on your award. Congratulations on all the, the the different things that you've accomplished with Orange County. Thank you for being the leader and the person you are. But most importantly, everyone, make sure you learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening.